Welcome to Telegeography Explains the Internet, the show that explores the business behind all of the ways humans stay connected around the world. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and my guest today is Tiago Rodriguez, CEO of the Wireless Broadband Alliance. Tiago has deep experience in the Wi-Fi space, and in this episode, he outlines for us the key issues that are current in the wireless LAN. As you will hear, the WBA has published a 2024 guide to the important trends carriers and enterprises should be on top of for all things wireless at the office, campus, and even home. We talk about Wi-Fi 6, 6E, and 7, and why each of these are important developments in the Wi-Fi space. Open roaming that allows you to seamlessly connect across different Wi-Fi networks and how Wi-Fi can play a role in emerging solutions such as network as a service. We also get into the digital divide and the role that municipal Wi-Fi and other solutions can play in closing that gap, and how to best use the limited resource of spectrum to ensure connectivity in our increasingly digital world. We also realized during the show that Tiago and I are both cyclists, so we have a little aside nerding out about bikes and professional cycling, but it's very brief if that's not your thing. But I had a great time in this episode, and I learned a lot. I'm sure you will too. Okay, welcome to the show, Tiago. Yeah, thank you, Greg. A pleasure to be here today with you uh, and looking forward for the, the show. Yeah, li likewise to me. As, as I've mentioned to you uh, when we were leading up to this interview, uh, you know, we at Telegeography and my podcast here focus a lot on the long haul, on the network portion of telecoms. And I, I don't very often get to talk about what we're going to be focused on today, the, the LAN, the campus, the office. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to learn a lot um, and, and happy to have you on the show. Before we jump into all of that, Tiago, I wonder if you could give us a brief background on, on yourself um, and then how you uh, became to be the CEO of the Wireless Broadband Alliance. Yeah, thank you, Greg. Uh, by the way, there is wonderful news about Wi-Fi coming out from CES. Maybe we can mm -hmm. somehow Absolutely. during this conversation yeah. talk about that. So, uh, by the way, I'm based in, in Portugal. Uh, I was born in Portugal, in Lisbon. Uh, I spent majority of my life here. Uh, I worked many years for Portugal Telecom Group. I managed mm -hmm. the different areas, but where I took more responsibilities was on the, the Wi-Fi business unit. Right. Uh, and that's where I came across the uh, Wireless Broadband Alliance, like many other organizations across the world. And I have that uh, capability that when I jump in to do something, I really want to get involved and put my hands on and uh, mm -hmm. suddenly... When I was appointed to this organization representing the, the carrier, uh, I started to work pretty hard on the organization. And uh, when I realized they were inviting me to, to join the, the group uh, that I did probably 12 years ago, uh, and then six years ago, they, they invite me to become the CEO. And, and that's where I come up CEO of the organization. 
Yeah, excellent. So um, with that in mind, too, maybe a little background on what the WBA is, what it, what its goals and purposes are, and, and of course, uh, who your constituent members are. Yeah. So WBA was founded by a group of uh, service providers. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. they wanted to do roaming between Wi-Fi networks. So uh, we are talking about 20 years ago when we started to see the first Wi-Fi hotspots coming up uh, across the world. And immediately we start to realize oh, how cool it could be that, I don't know, I'm in Portugal, I just go to US or I go to France or Japan and I can use my own ID and connect to a different network. Mm-hmm. And that was somehow the kickoff of the organization. Uh, and we evolved a lot since then. Uh, but if I can summarize in one sentence, our goal is to improve uh, the Wi-Fi experience, both for mm-hmm. enterprises, consumers, uh, municipalities, uh, all that. And and we are a mix. We are a very unique organization because we have a very transversal uh, membership. So we have mm-hmm. large carriers like AT&T, Comcast, uh, Telefonica, Orange France, and others. Then we have all the the big manufacturers, let's say Cisco, Nokia, Apple, Samsung, HP, Aruba, and others. Uh, But then we have as well uh, enterprise brands. So Mm -hmm. Home Depot, uh, Marriott Mm -hmm. Hotels, uh, GM. So companies that have their own connectivity and wireless connectivity strategies. And uh, as you know, they invest a lot on these technologies to, to mm-hmm. provide their services. And and I'm I'm super happy to see them getting involved on these standards organizations like the Wireless Broadband Alliance, uh, because for me, it makes sense because they are one of the biggest investors and they dedicate money and resources to improve their connectivity, their systems, their platforms. So definitely they should have a say on, on the evolution of uh, the Wi-Fi. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting point because uh, if you're the type of enterprise that is providing connectivity to thousands, tens of thousands of customers on a daily basis, really you've become a kind of service provider of sorts, uh, whether you want it to or not, right? No doubt about it. And and sometimes we have examples of, of large enterprises that probably they manage as much traffic as some mid-size or uh, mid-tier size service providers because they have Absolutely. so many so many sites, so many venues, so many offices around the world, they they serve so many customers that sometimes is, yeah, it's it's like a, a mid-sized service provider. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Tiago, if we if we if we jump into the, the meat of this here, um, as I mentioned at, at the start, you know, I don't have the opportunity to focus much on the land. So the, the way that I, I dove into this was by reading the WDBA's uh, 2024 industry report. So I thought maybe let, let's start there. If you could tell us just, you know, broad overview of, of what that is and, and where folks can find it. I, I think um, rather than leaving that for the end of the show, yeah. it's good to put it up here so that people can can know this, the basis that, uh, that, that we're working from. Yeah. And by the way, I'm, I'm super glad that you saw that report interesting and, and that uh, situation generate this, this conversation and, and yeah. this uh, podcast. I'm, that's awesome. Uh, so basically, 
anyone can find the the, the industry report from the, the Wireless Broadband Alliance on our website. So it's wballiance.com. You just go there, look for industry report. You can download it. Uh, this is a piece of research that we do every year. Uh, so it's done by uh, some independent uh, consultants uh, that we hire. They do the research for us. Uh, we do as well a quite exhaustive survey to the industry mm-hmm. where we collect feedback from service providers, manufacturers, enterprises um, about the technology. And we try to do a, a snapshot of the situation of uh, the Wi-Fi industry, uh, and as well, what we should expect uh, from the Wi-Fi industry for the next years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the the main goal uh, of that industry report. And it, it's per- perfect to be, uh, you know, recording this here in in the start of the year, early January twenty four. I end up doing very similar things for for the wide area network, right? Where I yeah. come up with a list of of here's the the key things going on right now. What I expect to see this year. So I, I enjoyed kind of piecing that together on the 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 other end, uh, if you will, of of the the equipment. Um, in particular, I like that uh, that in the report you had kind of eight key issues um, that that you see as uh, driving uh, Wi-Fi's success um, and, and adoption over over the next year. Um, maybe you could take us uh, through those uh, through those eight issues and, yeah. and why you think they're important. Yeah, yeah. Those uh, six uh, eight issues are are a personal view on where I see uh, not only for the Wi-Fi but in general where the demand for broadband connectivity is coming from. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's a key element uh, for the Wi-Fi in general, but it goes beyond Wi-Fi. It goes for broadband connectivity uh, right. of any uh, type. Um, I think I can divide it in two broad areas. Uh, one, it's all about digitalization of the societies. Mm-hmm. This includes enterprises, the way that they work, the way that they perform manufacturing, the way that they do maintenance, they, the, the way that they communicate. Uh, it's it's changing a lot. AI, robotics, it's changing a lot, uh, that enterprise environment. Uh, another big trend that somehow it is following the, the pandemic uh, learnings that we all got. Mm-hmm. It's all about how do we work, are the way that we workforce uh, interacts, uh, how can we find that uh, work-life balance between going to the office, stay at home, right. uh, uh, managing remote teams. Uh, that's uh, a huge force that we see uh, happening. And for uh, our world, it means that the network has to be everywhere all the time. Right? You know, correct. A, correct. Yeah. So we need connectivity all the time. And and it's not only connectivity, we need good connectivity or powerful connectivity. It's not anymore, okay, I'm here sending an email or I'm browsing on the internet something. I Okay, if I need to wait three more seconds, I'm fine. But mm-hmm. when you start working from home, like us, we are recording this podcast, yeah, so we want absolutely. super good broadband. We mm-hmm. are probably both of us using fiber and Wi-Fi, and we mm-hmm. want to maintain connected. So exactly. that dynamics coming from the pandemic on the workforce dynamics, 
then education for me it's another big trend that is mm. happening uh, and uh, entertainment uh, and as well online shopping i think online shopping has been around for quite some time already sure but i think the pandemic just accelerated and mm-hmm. uh, will be interesting to see uh, and if someone can share that with me on, on LinkedIn or something. I would love to see it. Latest statistics on the, the, the evolution of the online shopping after yeah. the pandemic. That yeah, would be no awesome. doubt about it. I, th- I think that, um, you know, sort of just, and again, I don't have data on this, but anecdotally, certainly there, that, that trend toward doing things like grocery delivery or, or takeaway delivery, right? That, that never uh, went back to pre-pandemic levels and probably Correct. never will, right? Correct. So, yeah. Correct. Uh, I don't know. We have all these uh, services like Uber Eats, at least here in Europe, is mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. famous now. Every every street, there is people always passing by with with all that. So yeah, I on think the, on the mopeds, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. So I think there is this big bucket of all this digital transformation that, at the end of the day, it requires connectivity. It requires mm-hmm. broadband connectivity and requires good connectivity so that is a a big trend the other trend is uh, wi-fi and 5g and even satellite technologies they have been involving a lot to provide capacity to this demand of digitalization and i will speak more about the wi-fi more than anything because that's my my area of of expertise we saw a strong uh, improvement on the capability on the technical capabilities of Wi-Fi over the last four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if we go a little bit back here in history, so Wi-Fi uh, normally was having a, a new standard every four to five years. So let's imagine I have Wi-Fi 2, then I have Wi-Fi 3, and then another four or five years, I have Wi-Fi 4, and mm-hmm. then another four or five years, I have Wi-Fi 5. But over the last four years, since 2018, 2019, we got Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 6E, and Wi-Fi 7. So right. almost we had three versions of the standard in just four years. What is a huge... Uh, advance, but I think it's super positive because it's bringing uh, super interesting capabilities um, to the consumers and to the enterprises mm-hmm. and to everyone that needs uh, broadband connectivity. Um, and not only the standards uh, have been uh, super relevant, but even very simple features like, for example, for our houses. So the ability that I can buy now these uh, Wi-Fi pods or Wi-Fi mesh pods that mm-hmm. is very easily without any technical technological knowledge. Plug I can buy play. something, yeah. plug yeah. and play, yeah. and suddenly yeah. I have my full house with coverage, super mm-hmm. reliable uh, and super easy to set up. So those small advances, have been uh, somehow helping a lot all those digitalization that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that, that's exactly one of, one of the things going through the report that I really wanted to sort of get uh, the, the bigger picture from you on in this interview is that um, 
you know, as, as consumers, everyone was kind of aware of, oh, we went to 3G and then 4G LTE and 5G and, and to, to the consumer, 5G mostly just meant more bandwidth. Although, you know, on, on, we know in, in our business, it meant all kinds of things like network slicing and whatnot. But, yeah. Um, yeah. but a lot of consumers don't really pay much attention to what Wi-Fi version uh, their, their network on. E- even in, in the office, you know, even among sort of IT people, they might be, okay, well, I, I have this broadband service now. I need this Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi box. Can you take us through sort of exactly what Wi-Fi 6, 6E, and 7 uh, mean and, and why they might be important? Um, particularly, I would focus on, on the enterprise side in my question, I think, um, but, but certainly consumer is relevant as well. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do a deep dive on that. Uh, for me, the biggest change that is happening uh, is coming up with Wi-Fi 6E uh, and with Wi-Fi 7. Uh, mm-hmm. because we are using more spectrum. Mm. Uh, so until Wi-Fi 6, and including Wi-Fi 6, we could only use the 2.4 gigahertz spectrum and the 5 gigahertz spectrum for Wi-Fi. So those Which are is the why bands. you had to get a, 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 a cordless phone if someone still has a landline that didn't enter. Yeah, I, I remember those days. Correct. They're long gone for me, but yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the spectrum that was allocated uh, to Wi-Fi across the world. And uh, sometimes, special for the enterprise environment, it could be quite challenging because uh, this spectrum has a limit and and wi-fi mm-hmm. is is super crowded uh, already is, a, is as we all know is a super successful uh, technology in some situations you, we could have challenges in terms of optimizing the use of that spectrum mm-hmm. to be able to deliver whatever services we want to deliver especially if we are Let's imagine you are in Times Square, New York City. You have your, I don't know, your hotel or your retail shop or even your office. And suddenly you see more than 50 networks on your device. Right. So all these Wi-Fi networks interfering with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there, there is a limit of the number of channels that you can create on that spectrum uh, to minimize those interferences. When we enter into the Wi-Fi 6E, and Wi-Fi 7, suddenly we have one more band, that is the mm. 6 gigahertz band. So mm-hmm. let's imagine we have two highways already full of cars and suddenly we have a brand new highway with no cars at all. So we yeah. can start play around with it. And I think that will make a huge change in very dense environments, uh, like I said, an airport or a stadium or even a shopping mall Mm -hmm. or or a manufacturing campus where we have tons of different networks available or even one university campus. So I think that will give a huge huge improvement. So that's for me is, is number one. And if I could ask one thing uh, on that, did that new spectrum come available as as a result of governments sort of rethinking their spectrum policy, or as Wi-Fi technology just changing to to utilize a, a different area? Yeah, was government uh, mm. allocation. So mm-hmm. I'm 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 proud to say that US took the the world leadership on that. So mm-hmm. FCC was the first regulator in the world to. Uh, to mention and come up to the public saying, I want to locate the entire six gigahertz band to Wi-Fi to unlicense right. 
technologies. Mm -hmm. um, and sharing with you, Greg, for me as a consumer, this makes a lot of sense. And, and I have mm -hmm. access to a lot of data. I can share that, for example, here in Portugal, 90% of the internet traffic goes on a fixed network. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when we know that the majority of the internet traffic, IP traffic, goes through the fixed networks, uh, so the last mile of the majority of those fixed networks is Wi-Fi. Right. Uh, so makes sense overall for the competitiveness of a country, but as well the, the enterprises, okay, if I need to improve my, my IP traffic, I'm having more demand for more digitalization, I need as well that extra capacity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So first is, is the spectrum. A, a second one is that started with Wi-Fi 6 is the ability uh, of the, the Wi-Fi antennas to communicate with the devices. Until mm -hmm. Wi-Fi 6, just to make it, uh, let's say, super basic, uh, the principle was I can only talk with one device at a time. So I'm the antenna. If I want to talk with one device, I just talk with that device, and all the other ones will be in standby. What happened with the new capabilities of Wi-Fi 6 and beyond, suddenly I can talk at the same time with multiple devices. So right. this is helping a lot uh, somehow uh, the latency uh, that uh, it shows up on the different applications. Right, absolutely. And then, right. so you're, mm -hmm. yeah, right. and then uh, on third, uh, Wi-Fi 7 is giving given one third benefit that for me it's quite relevant. Um, that is, it allows you to use the free bands at the same time. Mm. So mm -hmm. now I can talk to multiple devices. But on the Wi-Fi 6, I could only use one piece of spectrum. Now right. with Wi-Fi 7, I can use multiple at the same time. So I have much more capabilities to, let's say, offload the data through whatever spectrum mm -hmm. is available that the device will really will is going to receive the data package and somehow is going to receive faster all the information. That's fascinating. So, so almost like an SD WAN uh, for for, for yes. Wi-Fi, and that yes. you, you can use multiple underlays, if you will, and, and pick the best path. Yeah, correct. So I expect with these that latency and uh, especially on latency, we'll see a huge improvement as we mm -hmm. move to Wi-Fi seven and all our devices in home, in our houses, in our offices, and the different industrial machines start to jump into Wi-Fi seven. I will see huge improvement on on the latency. Right. So, so on that point, uh, I th I think the the report goes into this a little bit. But where is say the the enterprise world with uh, changing to these new six sixty and, and seven uh, Wi Fi technologies? Uh, are, is this just beginning, especially for Wi Fi seven? Yeah, I think it's just the beginning. Uh, mm -hmm. And to be honest, Greg, has been super demanding demanding for the enterprises. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, if we look to that, uh, what I said before, that normally the, the Wi-Fi, it follows like a four to five years uh, wave. So we have a new standard every, every four to five years. Suddenly, we have free standards in, in four years. So we are putting a lot of pressure on the enterprises that, okay, you buy Wi-Fi 6, uh, to improve the performance of your enterprise. Suddenly I have Wi-Fi 6E and then 
after another year, I have Wi-Fi 7. So <laughs> I know that we are putting a lot of uh, pressure on, on the enterprises to invest on, on Wi-Fi. But I think uh, is is delivering very strong capabilities and benefits. Right. They, they have a lot of pressure on their end to, to have, a, yes. uh, you know, a m much better connectivity. I mean, even just uh, something that I, that I bring up often because it, it really has been a pain point for for IT managers within the enterprises when folks did return to the office in some capacity, even if it's now and then. We've moved away from having, you know, uh, handsets on the on the desk and and anything like that, and, and half the other people are still home or remote. So you're constantly having this this bandwidth push of having everyone on Teams and Google Meet and Zoom and whatnot. Um, in addition to all kinds of other things that you know, as you, as you mentioned at the top, the, the the digital transformation in general, all the workloads of the enterprise have have become digital, and that's just been a huge demand. On I look at it again from from the the, the sort of WAN side, but on, on the land side as well, right? Definitely, and and I can only say sorry to all the IT managers around <laughs> there. That's right, yeah. because is is a very tough uh, is a very tough task for them because even mm. at security levels, privacy levels, now is not only the the, the, the enterprise land. Now they have to expand all that into. Right all these remote workers and mm -hmm. what are the tools that they can use, how they can access different platforms. Uh, so as being uh, a super demanding uh, transformation, but I, if, I, if I can bring a positive angle, I think it's, mm -hmm. it's fantastic to see. And I think uh, yeah. being part of this uh, transformation, uh, everyone should be, uh, super proud to see this evolution on on the way that uh, enterprises somehow become uh, like you mentioned so become more cloud centric mm -hmm. uh, virtual uh, and all the the tools that need to be created to to cope with that yeah and and you know on on the the bandwidth demand side of that, I think another thing that we've seen um, is in the local access loop a big increase in capacity. Fiber to to the premises or curb or or whatever has has really increased. Um, is is Wi-Fi keeping up with that in terms of the the ability to throughput those very large connections? Uh, that's a super interesting uh, discussion. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, I I had uh, several conversations about it, uh, and I'm I'm super proud that uh, the industry as a whole provided the six gigahertz band to Wi-Fi, because if that didn't happen uh, at this moment. I think I, we could have the risk that the Wi-Fi in the future could become the weak point of that. Yeah, you, you don't want Wi-Fi to be the bottleneck when you have exactly. this huge, robust exactly. fiber network. Yeah. So I think it's super important, and I think the regulators and the governments uh, took that in consideration as well. Fiber is evolving a lot, the capacity, so we need as well the the, the Wi-Fi to be able to to evolve and be able to not to struggle that that capacity. Uh, and that's where I think the six gigahertz it's it's super important uh, mm -hmm. because it mm -hmm. gives a lot of flexibility, can give uh, much faster speeds uh, on top of all those techniques that I just mentioned before. Right. 
uh, and gives a lot of flexibility for the IT managers to mm-hmm. tweak the networks and create wider channels to to give faster speeds. Right, right. Well, well and, and that that also uh, leads into another area that that I end up talking about on the podcast a lot, and, and I wanted to to ask you about as well, Tiago, which is network as a service. It's it's still a little bit, in my opinion, of of um, it hasn't reached you know, real commercial applications for most enterprises yet. Um, but they are very often looking toward that and, and how might this benefit me? And, you know, the, the, the one most obvious use case is when you have the kind of business where there's extremely bursty traffic. So I, I think you mentioned entertainment before, right? That's, yeah. the, that's a classic use case of a stadium or something where it's like, you know, some days there's there's 10 employees there and some days there's, there's 50,000 people all trying to stay connected, right? Um, what role do you think uh, Wi-Fi can play in in facilitating that true kind of like network on demand uh, that that carriers are so excited to talk about for the future here? No, uh, first of all, I think it's a very strong uh, trend. We have several members of the alliance that have been investing a lot of resources and time on on NAS services. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is still a, lo- a long way ahead, but uh, the ability. Uh, Let's put it this way. I think one of the key uh, key elements for the success of all these technologies is the ability to scale super fast and to adapt uh, to different demands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we already start uh, a lot of that transformation when we started to see uh, on the Wi-Fi side, when we start to see all these uh, SDN cloud-based Wi-Fi right. infrastructures that all the intelligence somehow is on the cloud and I can augment capacity in one stadium, one hotel, or even one manufacturing campus super easily, remotely. is almost just a question. I buy more licenses and suddenly I right. can have more more equipment, my different, more devices. Uh, definitely that will continue to progress. Uh, and uh, those players that are able to combine that uh, connectivity as a service combining with the, with the network as a service, I mm-hmm. think they will have a lot of opportunities. So mm-hmm. uh, that for me is a very strong trend for the for the IT uh, environment and uh, network management management. Yeah, I think it's really interesting the way that you say that you, in a way, just be ready for extra licenses and things like that. That, yeah, that, that, that yeah. That's the challenge to overcome is is this sort of like over for provisioned for, for the bursty times, but then, you know, not just sitting there being completely underutilized the rest of the time. I think that's what um, the, the whole NAS business, even between data centers to some extent, is that, that that's the, the struggle to overcome. Absolutely. Yeah. And and. All that, I think a key element is, like I said, the ability to scale. How can I transform my mm-hmm. organization super fast and try to get all those uh, small gains uh, of efficiency uh, that I can have to, to have my products more competitive? So mm-hmm. I, I still remember working with a manufacturing company uh, in, in the UK and they just said, Tiago, I want to reduce 1% the, the maintenance time of my machine. So uh, I want to <laughs> su- super lean. So, and, and we may think 1% is irrelevant, but for them, 1%, it counts for thousands or millions of dollars Absolutely. of uh, yeah. 
manufacturing time of of their campus. Oh, that's those, those are the best improvements there. So you know, it's yeah. off topic, but there, there's a there's a great book I read called Atomic Habits, and and they I'm a, I'm a big cycling fan. They followed uh, the Ineos cycling team, and that was their whole thing. It's like, hey, if we if we just keep very slight improvements, then then you know, um, and and focusing on that rather than having this huge gain in efficiency that's not within reach right you know so yeah. i think that very much applies to to the the, the whole nas world is that it, that that you have almost micro right sizing of, of your network and services basically hey, greg uh, i love cycling as well ah, no way great. Yeah. <laughs> well uh, you know we can, we'll have a whole conversation off, about off that copy, but off well, off, yeah offline we'll talk about yumbo visma and, and what's yeah, gonna happen yeah. It's it's my way. It's my way to escape from all the pressure on the my day to day and all that. Likewise, yeah. Yeah. So this time of year, I'm zwifting a lot, but still, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. A lot of, yeah. Excellent. Outside. All right. Well, yeah, I, I always I always love to to meet fellow cycling fans. Uh, um, so we'll we'll have to connect on that. I'll have to get to a, to a WBA event or something like this, right? Yeah. But um, all right. So before we leave enterprise, Tiago, I want to I want to hit on one more thing that I found really interesting in the report that that I I really wasn't familiar with that that you sort of alluded to was was uh, in part the raison d'etre of, of of the WBA in the first place. But tell us about open roaming, kind of um, you know exactly what it is, how it works, and 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 where you're moving with that. Yeah, one of my favorite topics. Uh, and uh, open roaming came up as an idea to solve a problem that all of us, we suffer, and enterprises suffer every day, that is uh, how to onboard new devices easily. We as consumers, we sit every day going to a coffee shop, and then we go to another restaurant, and then to another coffee shop, and all different ways to connect to the network. Some of them completely open, no type of security. Some of them, they require a ton of personal information, your email, your mobile number, your full name, your address. Mm -hmm. Some others, you just share the same password with another 100 people. Uh, And and if you you allow me to to tell you a funny story, um, I visit a lot lot of companies and uh, I went to visit one very large corporation in the US and, and they invite me to go to their headquarters all these fancy buildings, super modern, you have a, a facial recognition uh, mechanism. So you need to onboard, you almost need to do the check-in the day before. So you need to send your passport and all <laughs> that. So in such a way that when you go there for the meeting, there is a facial recognition, they open the door for you. Uh, and then you go to the elevator, you type, uh, the number of the meeting and the elevator goes along immediately to the floor that you need to go. So all these super fantastic and suddenly I go to the meeting and ask, oh, can I have uh, the password for, for Wi-Fi? Can I connect to the Wi-Fi? I have a bunch of presentations. And they become a little bit nervous and after a while they come up with these uh, post-it papers with a funny password and said, oh, sorry, Tiago, this is what we have to give you the password. So mm-hmm. This is just to demonstrate that it's a pathetic problem that we have today mm-hmm. uh, on the enterprises. So you are going to receive a customer, you are going to receive a supplier, you are going to receive a partner. Uh, you should have a very easy way to onboard those devices into your network with security, with privacy, and that you feel confident. Mm-hmm. So you don't mm-hmm. need somehow 
to create a bunch of rules on your security systems, on your LAN, or I'm afraid that someone can play dirty if I give a, a password uh, right. uh, to that. So open roaming at the end um, is a mechanism, is a standard that has been implemented by the majority of the uh, Wi-Fi uh, antennas manufacturers mm -hmm. um, in such a way that uh, if you have uh, the right uh, identity uh, that in fact is based on on the uh, EAP technology, EAP mm -hmm. technology. So if you have one ID, uh, you are part of the Open Roaming Federation, you can go to any network uh, that recognize that ID and you can attach automatically. And there right. is a, 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 a public key infrastructure behind uh, that gives that level of trust uh, right. to all the entities that are providing IDs and all the entities that are providing the network. Mm -hmm. uh, if I can do a, um, a comparison is, is like the MasterCard or the Visa card. So mm -hmm. we have all mm -hmm. these banks that give you cards and you can go anywhere in the world, your card is right. going to be recognized. So the principle is the same. Uh, and what we do is we create a level of trust between uh, the, I, the authentication servers of the different IDs and right. as well with the different Wi-Fi networks. Uh, mm -hmm. And what we do is we guarantee that there is uh, um, an interconnection between those, those type of entities. Uh, and when they come to a venue that has open roaming, they, their devices can attach automatically and a dedicated and secure tunnel is done. So there is no arm to the local network. So right. all the traffic somehow is tunneled to, to the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and, and kind of in a similar uh, process or ideas as on the network security side, having things like single sign-on where multiple applications take the same, as long as you have multi-factor authentication set up and whatnot, and uh, it can it can trust that, then you can you can util utilize that. And gosh, that, that that's really convenient for all of us as as yeah. you know, sort of you know, I I I'm sure as you do have find myself in, in many different uh, networks and that sort of thing often. Yes. So um, if if you didn't have that sort of thing, it would be impossible to work as as we do now, right? So. Correct. And even for the enterprises, one interesting thing is they can even uh, attach their enterprise ID uh, that they use inside their offices to become outside the office uh, an open roaming ID. So mm -hmm. I can use my ID from my office and suddenly I go to an hotel or I go to my customer facilities or I go meet the supplier and suddenly I'm attached automatically to their network. Right. Right. Absolutely. Excellent. So, so Tiago, before we wrap up the interview here, I, I wanted to touch on a, a, a few just kind of more global issues outside of just the, the business of telecoms and enterprise connectivity and whatnot and talk about uh, kind of more the, the, the general sort of world economy. Um, you know, a big issue across the world, one that uh, I'm most familiar with in the U.S., of course, but uh, but all around the world, I know is an issue is is just fulfilling the sort of digital divide that that it's it's very hard to get everybody in a society connected to the internet, and yet is absolutely crucial. I mean, obviously, we saw during COVID time, but even well uh, after that into everyday life, that having access to the internet is is incredibly important for economic development, for education, for all kinds of things. 
one of the things that is the biggest struggle with that is just the economics, right? The economics yeah. of, of yeah. laying wires everywhere, right? The, the least efficient economically segment of any network is is the one that's that's going into your house or into your office or whatever the case may be, right? Um, do you see Wi-Fi as being able to play a role in, in sort of bridging that digital divide uh, through municipal Wi-Fi or that sort of thing? Yeah, first of all, Digital divide is is a huge problem uh, mm -hmm. that we all need to focus on and try to bring all the ideas, all different options to try to solve it. I think Wi-Fi definitely can help. Uh, if we look into the, the wireless technologies, Wi-Fi is by far the cheapest technology to provide broadband connectivity. Absolutely. Uh, the majority of connected devices, they have a Wi-Fi ship. Uh, mm -hmm. The availability is, is out there. Uh, we saw uh, several examples of, during the pandemic, how students were going outside McDonald's. Even McDonald's right. were closed and they, they stopped outside the, these retail shops and somehow get, just to get connected because they could not mm -hmm. get connectivity at home. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm. I can say that uh, I'm. I'm proud. I can say I'm proud to to be part of different projects, uh, and contribute at least with my uh, expertise to different municipalities across the world, Absolutely. and even uh, governments on how they can have a, a municipality Wi-Fi or a, a local government uh, Wi-Fi infrastructure that they can help their constituents and their citizens. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, even uh, the economics that you mentioned is important, but another angle that for me it's very important is uh, as well the IT skills. There is mm -hmm. a huge mm -hmm. part of the world population, even in developing countries, that they don't have the skills to be able to use the internet and use the different applications easily. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's definitely uh, an area to tackle. Uh, and just to mention open roaming again, open roaming can help a little bit there because it helps someone that has no IT skills. If you have open roaming, whatever device that you have will attach automatically. Right. So right. Seamless you don't need connectivity. Seamless right. connectivity. You don't need mm -hmm. to look for the net SSID. What is the SSID? And then what is the password? So mm -hmm. you just connect. But that's definitely a huge uh, challenge that we in a digital society we need to tackle yeah absolutely and and, and part of that challenge and, and this is um a kind of uh topic that i often hit because I, I see it as so crucial for for the next maybe even 10 years of a development of all of this is that even some people in the industry but especially lay people don't realize that that spectrum is a limited resource right that it is it's like real estate your your location yeah. on the spectrum yeah. matters and there's only so much spectrum before you get to too much interference we now have a couple of billionaires interested in, in using some of that spectrum for for low earth orbit uh, satellites and and um, there there's all kinds of sort of fights over who gets what piece of that spectrum. Some of it works better than than other parts. Um, one key thing that I see there is that we still have uh, very legacy technologies. I and mean, by legacy, I mean sometimes more than 100 years old at this point, right? Like terrestrial yeah. radio, yeah. for example, and television that are using 
really choice pieces of that spectrum. Uh, both you personally and and you know as as the WBA, is this something you you are looking into to say you know can we convince governments to to release some of these legacy technologies that are are on the best real estate, if you will? They have the the, the coastal you know sort of beautiful yeah. real estate that that a lot of us would like to get our hands on. Yeah, yeah, Greg, uh, spot on. Uh, I don't like to say that we need to replace one thing with the other, but mm -hmm. I advocate a lot to the regulators and the government bodies that we need to learn how to share. Yeah. Uh, more important than replace one with the other is, okay, in this precise location, what are the spectrum that I can use? So if I use this type of spectrum, am I somehow interfering with something else that is happening? And I can share with you, the, uh, I talked a lot about the 6 gigahertz spectrum for the Wi-Fi. Uh, and by the way, that spectrum is not completely clean. So there is mm -hmm. a bunch of services, satellite services, point-to-point -point, uh, fixed wireless links. Right. has been used for many players. So the way that we work with the regulators is, okay, so let's make sure that Wi-Fi can use this spectrum, but we don't interfere with anyone. Right. So let's imagine I'm in my office, and by the way, the next door I have a huge bank that they have a, a dedicated wireless link to transmit whatever information from the, the stock market or whatever they need to do, and uh, I cannot interfere with that. Okay, so let's use a mechanism that can recognize, okay, on this precise location, I'm not going to use the full capability of the Wi-Fi, so mm -hmm. I will use whatever is available without interfering with anyone. Yeah. And I think this basic principle, if we try to expand uh, to other uh, spectrum bands that make sense to do that sharing, I right. think it could be very useful for the, like you said, the spectrum is, 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 a, is a limit. There is a limit for the spectrum mm -hmm. use. So we need to be able to expand it without uh, interfering with each other and being able to have all these different services that we need. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting point that, that I haven't often thought of it that way, of there's ways to sort of work into the same spectrum without interfering and, and still be able to to achieve both of, of your uses, right? Yeah, yeah and, and what happened in reality is, uh, and, and I bring once more the, the case of the six gigahertz, the majority of the scenarios of the situations uh, we are not going to have any interferences, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. So I'm here in my house. There is no radio links here, so I right. can have full capability right. of... Maybe I have a, a huge data center in, in a remote area, so there is no interferences at all there, so I can use full capabilities. But uh, there are situations, and we need to understand that, there are situations where I may have a huge constraint because, like I said before, I'm in uh, Times Square, New York City, Right. Suddenly, I have all these fixed wireless links. I have all these point-to-point -point links between buildings and all that because it's it's super uh, crowded uh, environment. So, on those scenarios, we need to safeguard that we are not uh, arming anyone just because I want to have a, a better Wi-Fi. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Tiago, I, we we hit a lot. I learned a lot. This has been uh, really interesting. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, before we close out, just how, how can listeners keep up with you, keep up with what you're doing at the WBA? Yeah, so uh, anyone that wants to follow me follow me on LinkedIn, more than welcome. 
I accept everyone. Uh, I, I post right. the news yeah. about the, the WBI. Uh, if you want to know more, you can always visit our website, wballiance.com. But if you really want to get involved, you come to our events. So next event in US is in Dallas in June. So if you mm -hmm. want to know more, we are more than welcome to join uh, the community, be part of this group, and uh, we can talk a lot about Wi-Fi and connectivity. Yes, absolutely. And and for me, I'll say if I if I ever get over to uh, see some legs of the Vuelta España, then I'll definitely look you up. We can go ride oh, some yeah. together. <laughs> so, excellent. <laughs> If you come by the Iberian Peninsula, I'm more than happy to invite you for a, for a bike ride and spending some time yeah. together. Excellent. All right. Well, this has been a real pleasure, Tiago. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. Uh, fantastic. I love it. Thank you. Great. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Telegeography Explains the Internet comes from the experts here at Telegeography. It's edited and produced by Jane Miller, and it's hosted by me, Greg Bryan. And I also wrote that theme song you're listening to right now. To learn more about our data, jump over to telegeography.com, and we'll see you on the internet.